Hi Saurabh, welcome to another episode of Brands, Brews and Banter and uh, thank you so much for doing this. So it's Saturday and it's a Saturday afternoon but uh, I think uh, I'm very lucky to have you here. Yeah, yeah, perfect time to get a beer man. Thank you so much for <laughs> inspiring me to be a part of this conversation and uh-huh. looking forward to it. So first of all, cheers and uh, tell me what are you drinking. So cheers. some folks watch this on Spotify, other folks watch it on Apple Podcasts. They don't have a video. So, so tell me about your love for beer that I can see. Sure. So I've got a beer of white uh, 650 ml bottle with me. So, uh, so I think um, everybody likes having fun, right? And uh, as mm-hmm. a marketer, nothing better than say creating legacy. And mm-hmm. I think that's what beer has done uh, with a nice quirky... Uh, image in india with a quality product uh, so i think beera is definitely a great example of a you know brand which has done well for it itself in recent times hmm. so so uh, tell me about your time at drgo like tell me about that mandate and like what were you what were you working on uh, you said premium and luxury portfolio and innovation so so just tell just dive deep a little bit in, into that sure so uh, you know i did uh, almost a decade at mondelez you know and i think after you've done something for a long time mm-hmm. you want to push yourself out of the comfort zone and and take up a bigger challenge so uh, you know having done a lot of time in sales and marketing in mondelez i felt that let's try to have a change in industry and uh, it's pretty logical right to the only way to elevate uh, your senses from chocolates can be onto a deeper indulgence like alcohol and mm-hmm. hence it is a natural fit and a natural choice yeah Uh, the innovation vertical was just getting created and my boss samapreet anand was the chief innovations officer uh, he hired me uh, as the innovation head for premium and luxury spirits there were two all the colleagues which were in parallel to me hmm. and uh, why that experience was fascinating for me was not just the fact that we did great quality work hmm. uh, or the fact that we had a lot of fun with the lovely team hmm. but actually how does an organization an organization see a culture change agenda right because alcohol as a category because it's full of surrogates there is so much of regulation uh, it's not really the most innovative uh, category right hmm. and being trying to create an innovation culture is something that i learned there and and it's uh, like i said one of the uh, more uh, fascinating stints that i've been a part of uh, so i i want to double click on that because considering the you know, amount of restrictions on the industry and i think pharma folks also face something very similar but in a very different context so itna रिस्ट्रिक्शन है लाइक समबडी इज लिटरली टाइंग वन हैंड बिहाइंड योर बैक एंड सेइंग देखो कवर ड्राइव मारो लाइक यू हैव टू मीट द सेम थिंग्स यू हैव टू ओन द सेम पार्ट ऑफ द कंज्यूमर्स माइंड एंड यू हैव टू डू ऑल ऑफ दैट बट यू हैव टू डू इट इन अ कंप्लायंट वे सो सो टेल मी अबाउट सम फ्रस्ट्रेटिंग एक्सपीरियंसेस यू हैड वेयर यू थॉट दैट हे दिस इज समथिंग दैट आई वांट टू डू बट देन इट वाज काइंड ऑफ रोड ब्लॉक्ड बाय लीगल और समथिंग लाइक दैट या सो आई थिंक द फैसिनेटिंग पार्ट अबाउट अल्कोहल is the classical brand pyramid hmm. awareness desire interest and trial right it's inverse it's reversed okay because in alcohol the reason why surrogates are allowed is because uh, the the government does not want you to market to, to somebody who's not already a consumer you know in a in a book that i've written and it should be in the market by say jan and feb called the practical marketer hmm. i talk about the fact that there are two tasks for marketing you know only two tasks which you must choose from as a grow category or steel share the grow category as a task is about selling the category and not just the product and i think that's the part which gets blocked the reason why why you have to market through surrogates is because you're not allowed to grow the category that is you're not allowed to reach out to consumers mm. 
when they're not already seeking the alcohol product hmm. yeah and hence uh, brand building can be very tough right how do you create awareness what do you do and that's when uh, my claim to fame in uh, diageo was really the launch of captain morgan dark rum hmm. which delivered a nsv of 42 crores in its launch year hmm. and was a fairly big hit for diageo in the last x years hmm. right now what i learned in that uh, joy that whole piece of mix creation is that uh, you start in alcohol from dry so you start from liquid on lips mm-hmm. you know you start from uh, sampling the liquid say maybe a 2 plus 1 at a bar mm-hmm. right once you have sampling then you need to figure out how do you grow word of mouth mm-hmm. and the way word of mouth is grown in alcohol mm-hmm. right is all by the all the interesting stuff that happens inside the bar see we would have all seen the whole uh, jack daniel toolkit yeah. right inside a bar yeah. where they talk you about uh, certain tricks and tips you can play mm-hmm. similarly captain morgan in the us has grown by a similar to toolkit mm-hmm. where there is a iconic character called the captain morgan who is just yeah. created he'll always he's usually be supported by a couple of morganets and they will play a bunch of games with you in mm-hmm. a bar right that epic evening that you have with your friends mm-hmm. is what creates memory structures that spreads word of mouth mm-hmm. and once uh, talk value word of mouth for a brand or a, or a liquid reaches a particular level then surrogates kick, kick in then mm. you start doing mass media advertising through the surrogates so that the person who is already drunk it is already got a particular memory structure that gets reignited mm. when he sees the ad mm. on it yeah so hence the journey is very very different it's not that i made a make a great liquid or i make a great proposition i can tell the consumer mm. i need to do the hard work of first doing you know liquid on lips scale mm. then creating a you know very exciting toolkit to drive word of mouth and then from on top of that you layer in the uh, you know the uh, atl advertising mm. so the atl advertising becomes more of a reminder at the end once you've had all of these experiences at the at at the point of consumption yeah point of consumption right is is what we would call it uh, uh, yeah. so so i think the experience that i had with the captain morgan was quite interesting so so diesel has this hq in brigands which is like 2 hours from uh, milan Uh, so, so it's a very small village and they were they were just two bars so at those two bar one of those bars uh, like this jack sparrow looking character just like rushed in and it just started being very very loud and started playing games with folks and everything it's a very cool way of activating the entire thing right so so i was quite happy that was my first experience with the brand and like and and it contests in such a difficult space like it contests in such a space that there is such die hard loyalty like people are very Uh, like with their arms and and people, uh, so 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 how do you think about that like how do you break that because it's it's such a long journey and it can be discouraging at times so so how do you how do you think about that see what i find fascinating about alcohol right is that in some senses it's a pure brand the yeah. reason why i call it a pure brand is that it thrives only on imagery hmm. okay there is no functional benefit per se at the end of the day all of alcohol is just ethanol right c2h5oh that's all it is to it right so and beyond the point everything is is potentially overhyped right if they say that you know this is so smooth mm. or this is not so smooth mm. uh, blind tests uh, are very difficult to sort of you know come by or break in alcohol because it is just purely a category built on imagery mm. so which is why it is fascinating because uh, because it is built on imagery it's a category of you know myths and legends there mm. is uh, so much of stuff that might be purely anecdotal but we believe it with all our hearts because that's how the category has been built yeah mm. so which is why i found it really fascinating and uh, i would say you know while i was working with diageo 
I hmm. think uh, Parno also does a great job in the country because they are very patient. You know, the hmm. brands like Blender's Pride, they have built it over many, many years. Many, many yeah. years of doing liquid on lips. Many, many years of holding a very consistent positioning. Hmm. So I think what I like about alcohol as a category is that you know it teaches you to do uh, marketing uh, the way marketing should be done, which is you know for the short term rather than uh, you know measuring everything by minute to, to minute ROIs, hmm. which is uh, much uh, like how most of marketing with the advent of digital has become. Right yeah. before you launch the offer, you want to see what the ROI is. Hmm. So tell me about that, like. Uh... considering a lot of these brands which either in, and you have good ringside seats to seeing this like if you like you've been marketing head for dairy and you've had certain categories which are not which don't lend themselves very naturally to digital uh so so a lot of consumption is need based why would i want to follow a social media handle of a dairy brand so 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 how do you think uh digital display social content how do you play that game when you think that at the end of the day you're a cheese brand and nobody wants to engage with the cheese brand beyond the point right aap cheese becho so so do you think that's true or it's double edged uh, so it's interesting you know i've had a fun relationship with new age mediums like digital hmm. okay uh, it was uh, in 2009 when uh, actually no brand had any brand pages then So 2009, uh, I mean, it feels like a different era, right? Mm-hmm. Where people didn't have Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. So um, I, on Cadbury celebrations, was actually one of the first blokes out there yeah. to put my necks out and create a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And Cadbury celebrations essentially created the toolkit for what uh, is probably now followed across uh, the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we went in six months with almost zero spends mm-hmm. to a million fans. Mm-hmm. Right, we went to million fans, and we just did some of the basics, right? And that's how we actually figured out. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like to do. I like to figure out the rules of any new game in town. Yeah, you know, that's what gives me a kick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, similarly, when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, Britannia, mm-hmm. yeah, and you're right. Uh, finally, uh, uh, you know, uh, who wants to follow the handle of a cheese brand, <laughs> right? But the pioneer of content marketing in mm-hmm. this country is probably Amul. right mm-hmm. and with what they have done on their billboards in a way that is really the first use case for content marketing yeah mm-hmm. and uh, and hence uh, i think an agile marketer essentially learns by uh, the minute and says okay what else is new what's the new game in town mm-hmm. what can i figure out and one such uh, incident uh, in a sense for me happened when the pandemic struck mm-hmm. So the pandemic struck, and we are all uh, fairly disoriented. So we are all sitting in uh, and trying to figure out, you know, what what in heaven's name is going on, right? This is March, right? I think two to three years back. So we are all sitting and we just trying to figure out stuff. Now, see, typically as a marketer, you go through the numbers, right? Because finally, uh, marketing is only as good as the uh, as good as the uh, use cases that it is about is able to solve for, right? Sure. Or able to prove that uh, you know what I know how this works, mm. correct? So hence, uh, I started looking at the numbers, and I was intrigued to see that uh, in the lockdown, hmm. right, when everybody is sitting at home, my cheese numbers are suddenly shooting up, right. So, like I said, first of March or so is when the lockdown happened. Hmm. By say the fifteenth or the seventeenth of March, I saw there's a there's a big shift happening, right. So I tried to answer why is this happening, hmm. and it was pretty crazy. See, uh, the entire cheese category in the country is about two thousand crores. 
of which 1200 crores is sold to restaurants and uh, hotels hmm. right only uh, 800 crores is sold on retail oh that now the first thing that happened when the uh, when the uh, restaurants were shut yeah. is that the people still want to have cheese mm. right they still want to live that good life that they've been living only they have to know how to learn how to make the pizza and mm. hence cheese sales in retail are skyrocketing mm. because you can't find those pizzas in those foods in those uh, shops anymore right yeah. and hence uh, i spotted that opportunity called it out to my uh, mm. my uh, bosses and said that we have got a god given opportunity mm. to teach all of india to make that pizza which so far they have not done it they been too lazy mm-hmm. to yeah and hence we launched something called britannia cheese star chef mm. which uh, was an amazing property right uh, we got saif ali khan on board and saif ali khan is not whom we reached out first saif ali khan happened to have uh, you know a contract already available with india food network right and we essentially uh, were able to then uh, uh, leverage his uh, star power uh, to uh, really uh, um, create a very interesting series which is what the consumer was looking forward to then right a consumer at that point in time was looking for opportunities for somebody to teach him you know how to uh, how to really uh, uh, you know uh, make their pizzas or uh, or make them feel like a star in the kitchen which is what the theme behind the whole show was hmm very interesting so like if if you are to and i'll just take one solitary example like if you are the brand head for ashirwad data right like like I, in my mind that's the only example of a brand which should stay as away from digital as possible at least at least from social channels if if nothing else but uh, but there is a leadership mandate ki hum social kyun nahi kar rahe hain and all of these screenshots so so one thing i really <laughs> kind of uh, dislike is like moment marketing like ab sabko isro karna hai Like even digital agencies were like was sick by the end of it. Yeah, Somebody yeah. was breaking their head. Okay, now after one eighty puns on space, what is the new pun on space that I can do? So up, sara ho, sara ho. So I feel a lot of FMCG brands on digital they just become like these moment marketing channels. Just say there is a very good feel good uh, that that the term intern that the team internally has, but but does it move the needle genuinely? Like, do you feel it is creating consumer preference on those channels? do you think it is creating recall for say the instamart consumer so on and so forth so how does how should one think about that like and we'll just stick to the ashirwad data example just for clarity sure sure no so uh, it's interesting that uh, i think uh, ashirwad uh, from itc was perhaps also the client of uh, my agency when i was in bangalore with britannia uh, which was uh, uh, you know um, mccann uh, right because and uh, actually they uh, used uh, uh, they did some very interesting work in the atta space right so mm. what they realized is that atta is a staple in the north is not very relevant in the south yeah and uh, uh, and if atta is not very relevant in the south uh, what is their hook going to be mm. how do you make them still relevant mm. right and then they realize that uh, uh one of the key places where we experiment with food which is not usually native to us mm. is actually in the kids tiffin box because mm. the fussiest consumer out there is the child saying that mummy uh, you know i i have to show my friends that you know you are also hot and happening <laughs> and you give me something which is better than the other guy Mm, yeah and hence uh, what i think ashirwad did mm. is to say that there are 100 different recipes mm. that you can use with roti mm. 
which is not typical to a south indian kids uh, tiffin mm-hmm. yeah and i think that is a bit of a splash they created mm-hmm. right and they, and because it was kids it was mums it was uh, a mother wanting to also be uh, be ahead of the curve uh, social was actually a very relevant medium mm-hmm. so not only did they create uh, you know uh, pdfs which uh, were uh, you know recipes or ingredients that spread on whatsapp mm-hmm. groups but also they used social channels very well to say that what are the other parenting problems that you have with a mum and hand and what's the role that ashirwad atta can play in that journey in helping you solve for it yeah but just to take a step back from the ashirwad atta example right what is uh, engagement and why should uh, brands invest in moment marketing what is social all about right and i again uh, you know like i mentioned I, i i sort of cracked some of these concepts when i was penning down that book which i have written right where uh, you know uh, i talked about the fact that you know there are broadly two reasons to reach out to the consumer one is advertising and second is engagement yeah what's the difference between the two the difference between the two is advertising kicks mm-hmm. in right and that that advertising does not have, mean that oh it's tv versus social no it's about what the task is advertising is about when the consumer is in a passive state you are really trying to teach the brand's proposition to the mm-hmm. consumer in a way you are just doing a one way monologue you're trying to tell the consumer that hey this is who i am this is the gap that i fill in your mm-hmm. life consider me for this reason that's advertising mm-hmm. engagement is to say that as a brand can i participate in a conversation mm-hmm. that the consumer is having can i bring my personality to the table now here it is not about my message it's not about pushing my brand in i'm just about trying to take top of mind when there is a conversation that the consumer is already indulging mm-hmm. in now there are every brand has created the isro pun right but very few brands have been able to uh, really mm-hmm. build preference or really be able to bring in their proposition to the mm-hmm. fore the only example of a brand that i know that did the proposition bit well right is when the recent coca cola controversy had happened right where he had shifted those two coke, coke bottles on his uh, yeah. table uh their pedalite came up with this beautiful art saying that you know had you put a fevicol on the side maybe the bottles had not moved hmm. so no. that was a very f- few examples hmm. right where it was still moment marketing it was still funny and it was still meme worthy hmm. but the brand proposition was core hmm. right you and you know i always define a uh, brand uh, cut through a brand relevance hmm. right by or rather you know how well integrated hmm. the brand is if you cannot define that incidence hmm. without using the brand's name in your description give me an example the fact that i have to say that you know uh, fevicol was relevant that because then the bottles may not have moved hmm. then fevicol is me- memorable or talk worthy we only talk about the incident i find the brand is incident to the, to the conversation hmm. the brand is not going to get any mileage yeah. out of it makes a lot of sense but let me just play devil's advocate here right and i'll stick to two examples we spoke of earlier like ashirwad atta and also the cheese uh, uh, the cheese star uh, campaign that we spoke about if there are 100 recipes being created to drive preference in a certain region and stuff like that is that doing more for atta or is that doing more for ashirwad yeah so here again uh, you know goes back to the first fundamental theory that mm-hmm. i talked about right there are only two tasks out there there is only grow category and steel mm-hmm. share and why these two tasks that these two tasks are relevant because as a brand manager when i first became the brand manager for cadbury dairy milk mm-hmm. and gems i spent a lot of time meeting consumers 
and my biggest learning was consumers really really don't care about our hmm. brands as a brand manager i am desperately passionate about my brand and i'm trying to figure out oh what is gems mean in life and the consumer says yeah i mean is this for the candy come on why are you boring me right so when i had that understanding i realized it's not about my mm. brand it's not about selling mm. my brand it's about doing a task for the mm. consumer and i can only do two tasks for the consumer if i'm a leader i tell them have more of the category i will get the mm. benefit because i am the i am the category so if ashirwad happens to be the ata category in salt yeah. in south and if they build mm. the category they will get their fair share and that's good enough for them yeah alternatively if you're a follower if you're very small and if it is not about growing the category right then the task is to say how am i different and if you can bring in a logical reason to believe on saying that you know what i have the right to steal share i have the right to say i am different because a b c then you have a role to play so in the case of britannia cheese the part that we continue to work on is to say that you know the key difference between amul and britannia is that that britannia is yellow and amul is white could it be because britannia cheese is more authentic right and does it hence have a more role in uh, building a more westernized narrative is it more about me can i talk more about glamour and can a celebrity help me in the journey right and all, not all celebrities are relevant but in the case of britannia cheese star chef we were lucky to get safely khan which was perhaps a little unexposed in the uh, in the realm of uh, say food and cheese right and which is why perhaps some of the cut through that we did get in that medium is because we got the right celebrity endorser had we not got a safely khan I don't think we would have got the business shift metrics or the preference in our favor that we did. Yeah, Safely Khan is a very interesting choice, right? I would expect like you play on his heritage or if you play on his Nawabiyat. So if 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 Dawat is looking for an endorser, it it makes a lot of sense. But if you're a cheese brand and looking to create preference amongst homemakers during a pandemic, it's a very interesting choice. But but I'm very happy to hear that it worked. So kafi. Uh, sort of one thing i want to ask you about and i've been looking through a lot of the content that you put out first of all like absolutely amazing content and i'm really looking forward to the book because and we'll talk about that towards uh, towards the later part of the episode of why the book and, and like what can we expect uh, but before that let me just rewind and uh, there's there's one post that you put out which was basically that hey here are the different paths to a marketing career and there's not there's no one size fits all and it's 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 one of the things that i talk a lot about on this podcast because a lot of folks listening to this podcast are younger folks right out of b school uh, and 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 they are looking at these non traditional routes uh, to growing a career in marketing uh, so 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 tell me what's your mental model to think about that how are things changing how are things when you got out of b school how are things today and what do you see when you're hiring at b school so so just tell me about that Sure. See, one of the red flags, uh, personally, right, is uh, you know whenever you ask anybody, whether it's a marketer in my organization or it's a college student, right, saying that what do you want to do in marketing, the one word that comes out of everybody's mouth is digital, and I almost get a little worried saying that man, you might be barking up the wrong True. tree, right, because it's not about uh, you know just jumping onto this so-called digital bandwagon because digital is mm. oftentimes just a medium. digital is often times just one way of doing things i don't have any formal digital degree and yet i have through my career been a pioneer mm. in most things right and how is that that's not come because i picked up a digital degree 
right? It's probably just because I nurtured my curiosity. Now, the important thing which I believe uh, is, and, and there's a, I mean, uh, I, I write a lot on this particular topic. Most of the people yeah. I mentor is somewhere around this domain. Yeah, in fact, one of the featured articles hmm. on uh, my LinkedIn page is uh, is the second article I wrote, which is yeah. coaching and mentoring yeah, yeah. what the world needs. Yeah. So in that article, I essentially talk about a framework on how do you hmm. go ahead and plan your life and career. Yeah. Some of the inspiration for that uh, particular, uh, you know, uh, route or approach came from uh, Simon Sinek's, uh, Simon Sinek's uh, YouTube uh, talk, right? A TEDx talk called Start With The Why. Yeah, and I and I really love that talk. I go back to it again and again. It's got some 16 million hits. It's probably the third most watched TEDx talk ever. Yeah. So what Simon Sinek really talks about is to say that mm. it's the neocortex or the thinking part of your mm. brain that confuses you. It's the part of your brain which is talking nonstop and mm. is usually mm. you know gibberish, right? The part mm. of your brain which you need to tap into is the mammalian mm. or the central brain or the limbic brain, right? That's the original brain. That mm. brain is more instinctual. It mm. thinks in pictures and visuals. If you can tap into your inner self and you can say, what is it that is really valuable for me? And stop that talking brain from confusing you, right? You are mm. likely to reach it to the right conclusion, yeah? And what that limbic brain does and what I've tried to use it in my life for is to try to visualize a future for myself, mm. say 15, 20 years down the line. Yeah. And it's a fascinating exercise. You know, you could do it uh, drinking beer on a Saturday afternoon where you try to yeah. visualize what would I look mm. like, you know, maybe 15 years down the line. Right. What would I be doing? What would I, why am I wearing? Where mm. am I living? Mm. And what's really important for me? Yeah. And through that, if you try to triangulate your professional journey, you can bring it out in the form of an A4 sheet of paper. Yeah, it's a three by three grid. Personal life, mm. professional life, and interest and hobby. Right? As you mm. put those three, you put five, 10, and 15. In the 15, you try to visualize, okay, at, in 15 years, this is what I want to achieve professionally, personally, and in my interests and hobbies. And you start writing those down in simple English, one or two lines, a kind of vision comes up. That tells you what you really want to do. Then it's not about, oh, I need to earn this much more money than the other guy or I need to get mm. take this degree because all my friends are doing it, right? You actually mm. try to create an end destination from yourself. When you create an end destination, you allow that vision to guide mm. you and say, okay, hey, if I have mm. to be at this at 15, what do I need to be at 10? If I have to mm. be this in 10 years, what do I need to be in 5? Yeah. As you start building that journey for yourself, start becoming mm. clear. The clouds sort of part, right? And the and the journey sort of emerges. Okay. Now, in an ideal <laughs> world, I would be a researcher in physics. I got a 97 in my class 12th physics, and that's all I wanted to do. Super strings, black black holes. <laughs> and of course, like every other uh, you know, uh, bright science kid out there, I went and did engineering and obviously completely hated it. Mm. Yeah, there was no work career path to pick up right and i was doing civil engineering thing that oh my god i think i've really you know screwed it up right and if i didn't like civil what do i do i could do computers that's the only thing i hate more than civil engineering so now what do i do yeah and that's where i met these uh, guys in a train who are mbas and i felt that wow these guys are like me they're articulate they like to talk mm -hmm. they like to think I asked my dad about what MBA is. He was doing his MBA from Ignau at the time. And I went through his books. I was like, you know what? I can do this. 
And hence I said, okay, I want to be a marketeer. And hence when I joined college, I was the marketing uh, secretary for the campus, for the uh, college, uh, uh, you know, marketing uh, team. Then I uh, created Utsaha, which is the marketing fair. I decided to do all things marketing. And hence I said, Hmm. I want to get into FMCG. Uh, I had three job offers. The one which was the worst paying among the three was Vipro Consumer. I picked it up because the direction was right, you know, and Mm -hmm. and I I really Mm -hmm. believe in this whole thing of you can Mm -hmm. often go very fast in the wrong direction. It's Mm -hmm. probably what I felt like when I was in Mm -hmm. Diageo, saying that I'm growing growing really fast. I have gold dust equity, but perhaps this is not the direction I choose to go. Yeah. And hence, I took a step back. Sort of tell me about folks who probably are not able to get as many opportunities, right? For example, not everybody gets to go to a tier one, tier two B school. Not everybody gets shortlisted by marquee FMCG companies. Or not everybody can get into tech, uh, marketing, growth, performance, digital. So, so, so folks who are kind of in limbo or say who got into the bad, uh, got into a different role, but who feel that marketing is something that they were meant for. How should they then kind of claw back into the career of their choice? See, you know, uh, one of the things which I said, right, that uh, you can move often very fast in the wrong direction. Yeah. 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 And then when you need to pivot, that takes sacrifices. Yeah. So if you want to really uh, get the career of your dreams, you have to ask yourself, how desperate are you? And what are the sacrifices you're willing to make? Hmm. Because uh, any pivot is costly. Yeah, it can be costly in terms of uh, designation. It can be costly in terms of uh, uh, maybe money. It could be costly in terms of maybe the, uh, you know, the pedigree of that company, right? And I think each time uh, I have made a career pivot, I have been very conscious of that. So when I was wanted to move to Mondelez and I was in sales, mm. I said getting back to marketing is probably not going to be that easy. Mm. And hence, I decided to enter alcohol because I know alcohol perhaps does not get as great FMCG talent. Hmm. When I want to move out of alcohol, hmm. I said, okay, I want to get back to FMCG. Hmm. I was pretty probably taking half a step back when it came to designation in Britannia. Hmm. But I said that they don't have MNC blokes and maybe that's what they require, hmm. right? Because they are a little bit more homegrown, right? So again, when I moved from Britannia to, to telecom, I was probably getting a bump up when it came to my uh, my career from a, a designation or from a, a you know remuneration perspective. But I was then moving out of FMCG. So I think at each point in time, knowing what are the pros and cons, and you know what is the PNL, mm-hmm. being conscious of these cons, right? Now I always recommend people that if you want to start a ca- marketing career, start with sales. And sales are going to be tough. Sales are not going to be easy. It's going to be tough three four years, but that will set the foundation for a marketing mm-hmm. career. As you build your marketing career, right, if you have, say, gone too down the journey of getting a sales guy and you're not able to find a break into brand management, maybe it is time to consider a client servicing role with an ad Mm. agency. If you have not done sales and you are really passionate about Mm. marketing, maybe you can work in a research Mm. agency. Maybe you can be a client servicing guy at an Ipsos or an IMRB. moment you have done that in research, maybe you could then enter at FMCG in the insights Mm. department. So I would say there are uh, multiple ways to get there. Uh, you just have to do that study. And, you know, whenever I feel a little in two minds about my career, I go down to LinkedIn and check out the profiles of mm. various people. Right. In recent times, I was just thinking that, you know, maybe five, seven, eight years down the line, I might want to be a managing director, a CEO mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. So it will be interesting for me to see what are the journeys of, the peop- of people who mm. have become MDs. 
sort of you also mentioned uh, that you are writing a book which is expected early next year uh, first tell us why a book right and why the need to do it right now because you have a great mouthpiece on linkedin you share a lot of content with folks uh, the right people consume your content and get inspired or informed by it uh, why did you choose this medium why now and what should we expect sure see uh, uh, you know uh, that uh, plan that i to- told you about that i probably made for myself at say 26 it included a book so which is why the book <laughs> but uh, i guess the journey that i went through uh, you know crafting this was really interesting so uh, you know uh, about uh, say 3 years back 3 or 4 years back when i was uh, you know making the shift from international business into dairy i was starting to feel just a little restless you know maybe it might have to do with the fact that i was hitting a milestone you know entering the 40s right and when mm-hmm. i was feeling a little restless i was just wondering what is it that's bothering me right mm-hmm. because i'm doing well at work i'm enjoying yeah. my job yeah. and uh, uh, career wise things are uh, looking good so what's the challenge right so i think my wife articulated very well she mm-hmm. says ki sorob it's not the job it's your energy you probably have too much of it and you need to figure out what to do with the energy is not to do with what's happening at work because at work you're comfortable but you're still restless and maybe you should figure out what to do with about it right and then i sort of made a a social contract with myself hmm. to say that i'm going to write a post every week and uh, believe you me the first weekend of the lockdown right the first time that the we were locked in that saturday is the time when i wrote my first post hmm. and that first post uh, hit some 25000 views and i was like wow i mean i knew i wanted to write but there are people wanting to read uh, it's a surprise and a discovery mm. so i spent a lot of time and effort tying up the next post right so i wrote the next post next saturday i probably wrote it on tuesday refined it on wednesday thursday you know chiseled it chopped it and you know put it out there i put it out on that saturday again boom 35000 views I was like okay and you know after the fifth uh, such post fifth week i couldn't sleep i was like my god how long can i keep doing this is it is it just like a fluke or uh, is really going to work out right and it really grew and grew right mm-hmm. so i grew my followers to some 40000 people i've written uh, you know hundreds of posts now out there i've written uh, uh, you know lots of articles i've given a lot of podcasts and and videos as all this body of uh, material started getting accumulated i gave all that material to some of my close friends uh, again from the digital medium from from linkedin and they said that hey sorob do you know you got a book in there and this person was rajesh shrinivasan he's a cmo hire very dear friend and he says and he actually organized it for me i mean so sweet of mm. him and I, i really owe it to mm. him so he actually put all my material together in an excel sheet and said sorob you have 20000 words already written of your book you just need to add these chapters and you got a book in there mm. i was like wow and and the book that emerged out of that content was the practical marketing right which is a one on one guide on how do you practice marketing see there are a lot of books out there on what marketing mm. is but very few guides to say that you know what you're a brand manager or you entrepreneur pick this up follow this from end to end and this is how you do marketing right whether it is about how do you make creative how do you do packaging how do you make a brand strategy how do you decide positioning is all in there yeah and of course it's been a labor of love it's got almost 50000 words so it'll be a 200 250 page book and uh, jacko has agreed to be my publisher the same guys who published uh, monk who sold you know, my ferrari so hence i'm quite happy with that choice as well and they made me work hard on it i've done some three or four rounds of uh, iterations 
I've now been working on the illustrations. So it's uh, really been a fascinating journey and I'm uh, really, really excited to have it out, out in print. But tell me about that piece that if you already have, like in LinkedIn, you can just have a thought in your head and you can have 35, 40, 50,000 people immediately consume that content instantaneously. But to get a book, there's a cold start problem. Uh, to get a book in the hands of people to build readership there that's a whole different ball game as a medium in itself so so if your objective would be to share what you've learned with a maximum number of people by um, like just broad basing the read uh, of your thoughts and and what you've learned uh, then linkedin becomes like something so 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 then why why did you choose this medium and like tell us out uh, that being in the one pager that you created for yourself at 26. So I'll tell so, you what, uh, now that, that grid that I told you about, uh, the one which hmm. I made at 26, yeah, I did the same hmm. exercise again at 40. So when I made that grid again at 40 and said, what is it that I want to achieve in the next two decades, right? And what is fascinating about this visualization journey is that it helps you figure out your priorities, right? At the hmm. position of the junction, I find myself in my career, I don't think it's about the money or the reputation or the position anymore, right? Because mm. I feel that at a fair level, I've achieved a fair amount, right? From what, what I would have wanted. Yeah. Mm. So hence, the question that I ask myself is, uh, can I leave that one new idea, the one new concept, right? That say uh, Simon Sinek left, right? Which sort of has made him inspire me just by mm. a talk he gave in 1994, right? Could mm. I? find that you know can i find those uh jewels of thought which are already in there right but mm. can i get them to a scale and can i build them right mm. so as a part of this journey of self-discovery what i've also started doing is i've just taken on the position of a, a guest lecturer at bi and Pritchie. i'm teaching yeah. a course in brand management yeah? yeah now as i spend time with these students and i see the textbook which i have now completed 400 pages for these students off right mm. i realize that there is just so much of, um, you know, theory out there versus the book that I've written, it's, uh, I mean, it's like a tactical weapon, right? Bang. Mm. I mean, it tells you exactly what you require, minimum number of words. It is concept dense, but yet the language is so simple that everybody can read it, right? So it's an ideal, uh, it's an ideal uh, reference read, perhaps for all the students of marketing in the country or maybe abroad. Right. Mm -hmm. And as a part of my journey, maybe I would start taking classes overseas as well. Yeah. That allows me to build a scale for my thoughts and concepts. Mm -hmm. Similarly, the concepts that I've already written about, right? I think many of them are seeds. They can germinate into full-blown uh, trees of their own accord, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, stuff which I mean, you will not really find any book of marketing out there which cleanly says marketing tasks are about steel share and grow category which perhaps every CEO or marketer at the back of their mind might just know. So maybe there are a lot of seeds in the theory or the book which I've written, which can which can germinate into uh, new marketing literature for the future, right? And which can again, you know, pave the way for new kinds of thought, right? So I think it was Simon Sinek in 1994, which paved the way for purpose as a very meaningful or an holistic concept in brand building, right? Maybe there is something else out there hmm. waiting to be found, right? And hence this, journey in a way academic fulfillment and you know and it's also about it's quite funny and how we believe we are in control but somewhere you know nature or somebody out there is writing the story for us right so if i was to be an academic as a researcher in physics mm -hmm. maybe it is 
you know my eventual journey about way back into the world of academia through yet another route hmm. very interesting and i think there's a lot of serendipity also to this uh, but tell me about this tell me you said simon sinek has this one big idea right which kind of and i'm sure he has many others but that one big idea is his legacy give us like a preview of one big idea from the book sure so there are multiple actually there are, there are quite a few uh, different theories out there in fact uh, in each of those chapters i was actually uh, now making illustrations for you know each of the individual ones yeah. right so uh, you know one interesting uh, thing that i have noticed is that uh, 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 there seems to be an inverse correlation yeah between say uh, uh, gross margin right versus advertising you know i mean and ashirwal atta that he talked about mm, right yeah. has got a uh, uh, very large part of cogs so almost 80% of the product that you get is really uh, the raw materials itself and hence it's a need product you need it so you don't need to advertise it and as you go on the other side which is perfumes who have got cogs contributing to only 10 15% which is the cost of goods sold mm. you have 80% which is which is want and hence the need for ansp and across categories it is very easy to plot that so there is a atta at one end that say 20% gross margin biscuits at 30 dairy at 40 chocolates at 50 uh, personal products at 60 and perfumes at 70 percent gross margin right and that is how the entire journey pans out so there is actually one holistic grid out there mm. on how by choice of category the marketing mix can be planned out mm. but each of those marketers each of those companies are finding the journey on their own accord without any uh, bearing on an adjacent category mm-hmm. so some of these things as i keep observing them i keep trying to join the dots mm-hmm. right saying that you know what does this continuum look like maybe what i am seeing right now is really an approximation of a larger idea i mean like uh, like uh, they often believe that uh, the quantum mechanics theory as well as the theory of gravity mm-hmm. must finally get combined into the theory of everything maybe there's a theory of everything of marketing right out there waiting to be discovered that's a very interesting idea and i think uh, i quite like that because that explains a lot right like fashion at one end like such a big contributor of the price of the value of the product is is just brand if i'm wearing that's a polo right. and if you just remove this logo then suddenly it's for 500 rupees and if if you put a better logo here yeah. like you put a burberry logo it's for 10x that amount and and so that's the perfumes example but on the other end if you're if your cements and laundry and atta and so on and so forth which are need based utilitarian products then of course is that a mental model which also folks should use while picking brands that they want to work for because uh, uh, the the higher the brand is on the other end of the spectrum the more the need for marketing the more centrality of brand uh, in the scheme of things do you think they should do that so you know one of the things that i personally believe is that uh, uh advertising right or creative is a very small subset of marketing my definition for marketing or uh, for marketers is that marketers are entrepreneurs mm. hired by company to manage their business models called brands mm. each and every brand is a business model and each of those business models are what marketers are hired for to be to work as entrepreneurs mm. it's a lovely so way of putting it. Way i really like the way of putting it yeah. Yeah. so just expand that yeah right and see um, and i love 
uh, weaving and thinking through these mm-hmm. concepts. And these are all, like I said, in a sense, original concepts. You will not find them in any book or any piece of literature out yeah. there anyway. Yeah. These are all uh, thoughts that have sprung up to me over the last, say, couple mm-hmm. of decades. So, uh, see, an entrepreneur manages a PNL. An entrepreneur delivers profitability. Mm-hmm. He owns everything. Right. I, I always get find it very funny when a marketer says, but that's not a brand issue. That's a sales issue or a distribution issue. I always find that very funny because a brand manager is an entrepreneur. Every issue is a brand issue. If you're not rallying sales, that's a brand issue. You have to rally sales. You have to make your business model click. You have to win over internal customers as well as external mm-hmm. customers. You are a startup founder. You are you're going to forever be in a shark tank situation. Mm-hmm. You're always going to be wanting to, uh, you know, pitch for the next set of mm-hmm. funds. And hence, there is a, you know, there's always a tightrope between, say, a CFO and a CEO mm-hmm. at one end and a CMO mm-hmm. at the other end, right? Where uh, in a post which I had put this up recently, where a CEO essentially is charged with keeping business stability and alignment of stakeholders. Well, a marketeer has to find next generation ideas, has to mm-hmm. find opportunities. Yeah, and has to, uh, you know, hold its uh, dominance when it comes to uh, Puritan academic thinking, right? So in a sense, a marketer has got a lot in common with the startup founder as well as a mm-hmm. professor at the other end. You know, he's got two different angles yeah. to his personality, both of which are integral to be held. Mm-hmm. So hence, uh, hence I uh, have always enjoyed the job of a brand manager, which is to figure the PNL out, figure mm-hmm. stuff out. And figuring out that mm-hmm. business issue is probably more important than even cracking the right advertising mm-hmm. uh, hook. And in fact, when I did manage Cadbury celebrations, is what I did, right? I did. I was a part of the team that did Toys Diwali, Aap Kise Kush Karoge at one end. And at the other end, I had a business model called gifting, which was on negative 5% profitability for the last yeah. 15 years. and moved it to plus 12% mm-hmm. profitability. So hence, I also did the whole job of managing the business model. And often I believe... Building the business model model is probably more important than even creative, because if the brand is not on a steady mm. PNL footing, it's unlikely to pass mm. muster. I love that response. I think I, I think that's a great way of looking at a marketer's role, right? And like like people in product, they say that the product manager is the CEO of the product and stuff like that. But but like why not marketing should look like themselves as entrepreneurial elements which have to just manage the entire business model. That's I, I, I I'm really looking forward to reading more in depth about this concept in in your book sort of uh, there's one thing that i want to ask you and in your previous response you said that uh, like product managers they think of themselves as uh, and 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 they're encouraged to think of themselves as ceo of the product and you said that marketers should also look at themselves as in an entrepreneurial light that they're the ones who have to manage the business model Uh, but sometimes uh, in a lot of places right which are non-fmcg places like of course Marketing is is the centrality of what you do in an FMCG uh, context. But say in tech, product is the, or in other uh, in other atmospheres, uh, there are different elements of the value chain which which kind of take prominence, and marketing is sometimes reduced to a cost center. In places like that, uh, frustrating experiences like a CMO has to play a tug of war with a CFO. I'm sure you would have been in many of those conversations yourself. Usko kaise manage karna? Yeah. See, uh, you know, uh, in uh, every tech company out there, right, whether it is uh, Kodak, right, which we all keep talking about, right, uh, that's typically what happens if the, say, uh, CFO or a 
uh, CEO takes precedence over a CMO, right? You can never uh, uh, predict uh, how life is going to change. Mm. And if the digital cameras were going to take off, mm. a CEO will always say, continue to put money in the reels because that's where I make the money. Mm. And let's not waste too much of our energy behind those you know, a little bit of geeks on the side trying to create those digital cameras because, come on, that's like one percentage of my business, right? So, why me worry? So, which is the reason why, whether it is tech and more so in tech, right? I think the need for visionaries, need for somebody who will be able to paint the picture of not what is, but what will be is very important. Mm. And I think that the role of uh, being a visionary, which is where a CMO essentially needs to lead, right? He has to need, he has to... Uh, not just uh, decode or, like I said, make the next flash in the pan campaign, but also understand where is my business model headed? What is the disruption which is coming up? How am I ensuring that I'm taking those little bit of experimentative bets without burning the bank? And, you know, like I said, when I grew celebrations to a million fans, mm. it's not that I spent money, not that I broke my bank at it, mm. right? Mm. It's about the fact that I had the need for curiosity mm. to try to keep looking at these models and try to make them central to my thinking. So I think uh, where uh, the biggest shortcoming often of a marketeer or a CEO or a CMO, CMO often is, mm. is to say that, oh, I need the money and I can't do this without the cash. While the other option of looking at it is to say that I will help you navigate how do you continue to have a profitable business. Mm. And I will help you navigate to solve not for now, but for three years in the future. And if that is what is required three years into the future, maybe it needs to make some small sacrifices today. And I think as long as that uh, chemistry gets established, an organization prospers. Because uh, marketer, in my opinion, uh, delivers the job well when it is done for the long term. And by long term, I'm not saying 20 years. Mm -hmm. could be three years. could be a year and a Makes half. Right? But as long as we are measuring what we are doing and we are doing it for the right reasons, you will have the right answers. Oftentimes, I think when marketeers fail is when they get... Uh, you know, convinced by their own uh, stories and then they, you know, burst the bank too soon, right? Without a real view on the bottom line. Which is why I always believe that doing lateral stints like a sales role or a patient's role or a general management role is what every marketer should keep doing in its career because that that's what keeps them grounded. Mm. I like that response, Saurabh. Uh, uh, tell me, uh, so there's this one thing which I want to know and you reference to putting together a one pager and, and I, I would want to make this like a signing off uh, advice to folks uh, listening to this right so you reference the one pager that you did at 26 and later again at 40 and there are three different axes but I really want to get a little deep into it because I, I want folks who are listening to this to take something concrete away that they can probably spend a Sunday morning preferably sober kind of doing this exercise Yeah, yeah. No, so like I said, a uh, couple of toolkit pieces clearly is Simon Snake's video on Start With The Why. They must go through mm -hmm. that. Then there is an article on my uh, website called Coaching and Mentoring What the World Reads. It's a featured article. Must read that up. And then, like I said, uh, put down that uh, A4 sheet of paper, right, and a 3 by 3 mm -hmm. grid, right, 5, 10, 15 years. And professional life, personal life, and interests and hobbies, mm -hmm. right? And then try to visualize, you know, whom you will be 15 years down the line to start putting it together. Mm -hmm. But the most potent piece of advice that I always have is that 
every person which I've met, right, whether it's a senior executive, maybe even at 40, often saying that, oh, shucks, I want to move into FMCG or I want to do this in my next role. I would say you will not succeed if you at least plan at least three years, three roles mm-hmm. in advance, right? And, you know, while the long and short of it is to build that journey for 15 years backwards, but if we can start taking every single decision, not by saying, what is it that I want to do next to where is this taking me? What does my next promotion look like? Who will I be five years at least down the line, and which means at least a couple of years, a couple of roles down? What is that role or what is that shift taking me to? And I think that is where, uh, you know, rubber hits the road and where things start becoming really powerful for each and every individual. As people plan their life and career, right, as I mentioned, you know, going through the Simon Snacks video, start with the why, picking on the uh, article of mentorship and and coaching what the world needs, which is a features post on my website, to making that three by three grid, right, which is five, 10, 15 years, professional life, personal life, and interests and hobbies, and starting by saying that, you know, whom do I visualize myself as at 15 years from now, right? Well, that is the rudiments. But the core theory behind all of this is that all of us, we refuse to, or we have a lot of inertia towards reflection and and really looking in the future. If somebody says you need to make a, um, you need to make a, a brand strategy for your brand for the next 10 years, we'll happily do it. But for, my friend, you are a brand. You have a future. You can make the same brand strategy for yourself for the next 10 years. And why would we resist that? Right, The same way on making your brand strategy, you will go through uh, an Excel sheet and write all the numbers. Same way as you have to make your future, you need to peer over LinkedIn and figure out you know, what are the various routes that people have taken and what routes are open to you. How can we start taking more decisions for our brands and for ourselves, which are at least five to seven years into the future? I think that is where rubber hits the road. Right, How you look at a life as a collage of experiences and say, what are one, two, and three roles going to take me to eventually? How do I get promoted rather than what my next job is? I think that's when everything starts getting cleared up. So with that, Saurabh, thank you so much for sharing so much. Uh, what would be your parting thoughts to young professionals going out there? And I'm sure a lot of them would be doing the exercise that you just mentioned. Uh, but uh, but yeah, just your parting comments. Sure. So like I said, uh, solve for the future. Solve for at least three to five years horizon for every decision. Yeah. Don't be in a hurry. Uh, you know, life has taken you thus far and it will continue to take you in the right direction, you know, provided you don't compromise direction for speed. Like I said, you know, go in the right direction. Don't worry about the speed. Finally, life has its ways of, you know, getting you exactly where it should have. So all the best. Keep drinking your beer and life will remain good. Thank you so much, Saurabh, for doing this uh, again. Have a great weekend and uh, cheers again. All right. Take care, buddy. Nice catching up with you. All the best. Cheers. Bye.